Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all of these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop. Take it with you into the voting booth on your phone and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. ChicagoVotes.com. How's it going, everybody? We're live. Live stream chat. No, Ben and I are not doing dueling song of the days. All right. We're not. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. We're not doing a duet either. No, no. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> What's that song that Stevie Nicks sings with uh, Tom Petty? We'll do that. I'll be Stevie Nicks. You'll be Tom Petty. Never, never. <laughs> Something about leather and lace. I don't know. Something like that. Live stream chat. Let us know uh, if you can hear us okay. Like I said yesterday, doing some new audio processing or whatever. So weigh in. Let me know if you can hear us all right. Let's get today's show going here. And once again, no, no duets. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show for Wednesday. October 28th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That is correct. The International <laughs> Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, your sponsors. That is correct. DB. <laughs> as well as our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. That is correct. DB, you know, Lori's feeling her inner DB, by the way. We're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely just, are. Let's just say that and Mayor Lightfoot is warming up to DB. That is correct. Shout out to downstate rep Darren Bailey for the new audio drop here on the program. Uh, <laughs> hey, Muller, you know, sit on the bench for a minute. Bailey's oh, feeling like it. The Muller one. Oh, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I love Muller. That is correct. <laughs> All right, Ben, your song of the day. Oh, it's a challenging one, really. Uh-oh. Oh, um, no. oh, no. Hold on. Drink water. Yeah, you may want to drink some water here. Your song of the day comes from Frank, as always. Thank you very much, Frank, for always sending these. Your song of the day is from Barry White. Can't get enough of your love, babe. Oh, can't get enough of your love, babe. Can't get enough of your love, babe. Whoa. <laughs> love Barry White. You know, Barry White right now is rolling over his grave going, good God. <laughs> yeah. Can't get enough of your love. Uh, we're going to make uh, Keith Kelleher, our four o'clock guest, do some Barry White. I bet KK would love to do that. What do you think, D, huh? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about any of what just happened there in the last 45 seconds. <laughs> Wait, can I do my Michael? I love that new song by Michael Girardi. All the republics fade away. It's not going to happen to the USA. Don't win. Win. 
that angry Neil Young guitar solo riff. Love it, man. It's the not bi- going to happen to the USA. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. That's correct. Here we go. It is Wednesday, October 28th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist, Monroe Anderson. And now your host, legendary Chicago columnist, Chicago reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump Tower Wednesday. And here's why. Took a trip back in time last night. Oh yeah, I was reading a New York Times story about the building of Trump Tower. And you'll be really impressed with this, uh, listeners. I wasn't reading it in a newspaper. Oh no, I was stealing a page from Dennis. I was finding my inner millennial. I was reading it online. Dennis and the rest of the world. Congratulations, buddy. <laughs> I read it online, then I immediately sent it to Jimmy Coogan, Jim Coogan, Ace Attorney, to always, he like takes that deep dive with me and all the like dirty, seamy stuff that Trump's up to. Jim will be on the show in a week. I'm sure we're going to analyze this one, but a fascinating story. I read it so you don't have to, ladies and gentlemen, not that you wouldn't want to read it, but it's it's a really detailed, a long involved story, uh, story by, let's give a shout out to these reporters, aren't they? Let's give a shout out to these New York Times reporters. I actually have it. It's in the front page of today's newspaper. So I'll read it in the paper. Thing. Um, David Enrich, Russell Bootner, or excuse me, Russ Bootner, Mike McIntyre, and Suzanne Craig. Excellent job. So anyway, uh, Trump Towers, that 90-something story monstrosity prominently placed in the banks of the Chicago River where everyone can see it. A tower that prompted Dennis to exclaim every time we passed it, there's my tower. Huh? How's that? There's my tower. Look at my building. Look at that thing. Yeah, that's what he would do. Look at my building. Sorry, D, I got it wrong. Look at my building. See, back in the days, ladies, let me take you back in time pre-pandemic Dennis and I were taking the brown line home and we'd be going through the loop and I'd be looking at my phone and Dr. D we go past Trump Tower and he go look at my building <laughs> on the brown line and coincidentally uh, every time I do that people sitting next to us would put earbuds in their ears I don't know <laughs> look at my building <laughs> look at that big old building there isn't that beautiful <laughs> Bet you wish you had a building like that, don't you, Ben? Oh, my God. How did Trump do that? He put his name on the freaking building. He figured us out. This is not, this is a tangent. I wasn't even going to go here, but just reminding Dennis would do that. It would remind me. We're such saps here in Chicago. He, he donated $50,000 to Rahm Emanuel's reelection campaign. You know, and next thing you know, he's got a, the biggest sign that violates all the rules. We're so dumb in Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you know what, D? Wasn't, didn't I promise? Didn't I just promise yesterday I wasn't going to shame vote the voters? No voters? voter shaming. No voter no shaming. Voter shaming. What about mayor shaming? Am I allowed to do that? No, Mayor Rom. I mean, you've been voter shaming like five minutes after you said no voter shaming. So. <laughs> I mean, people, and you elected them. You elect. 
I, you know, I also think that the fact that um, Trump's agent was Rahm's brother may have played a role in it, D. I'm just saying. I'm throwing that out there as an idea. I'll see if it sticks against the wall. Here, let's throw it against the wall. Yeah, it sticks like spaghetti in the odd couple. Oh, that anyway, attic is such a mess. No, the attic is a mess, D. I promise this weekend I'm going to clean it up. Where was I? Oh, yes. Back to Trump Tower. The New York Times story was part of its ongoing investigation into Donnie's taxes. That's the investigation that was spurred when somehow or other the New York Times got a hold of tax returns that Donnie's been withholding, even though he promised to turn them over. It's all part of his effort to clean up the swamp, be transparent. Don't know how the Times got a hold of them, but they did. And thus we know that in 2016, Donald Trump paid $750 in federal taxes, which is less than I paid that year, which is less than Dennis paid that year. Just to pick two random people in America. Anyway, back to Donald Trump and his tower. Part of the reason that Donnie paid next to nothing in Texas is that he has an army of brilliant lawyers and CPAs scouring the tax code, looking for every tax dodge they can find. And they found a butte in the Dodge that says you can write off losses in real estate from your taxes. And one thing Donnie's really good at is losing money at real estate. So he's got a lot of losses to write off. You might say that he's better at losing money than making money when it comes to real estate. So how does he stay afloat, you ask? Great question, Mayor. Great question. Name the quote, D. Can you name that quote? Um, Great question, Mayor. Great question. Oh, I know where that's from. Come on. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good good question. question. Sorry I misquoted you, Hillary. It was just good, not great question. Anyway, how is he able to stay afloat? Well, I'll tell you, because he passes his losses on to other people. Generally, the dummies who lent him the money in the first place or the taxpayers who are bailing him out. So the New York Times story takes that deep dive and lists all the bankers and investors who lent Donnie money to build Trump Tower, then forgave him the loans, then pushed back the time he had to pay back the loans or wrote down the loans he had to pay back. Keep in mind that many of these same bankers and investors would kick you out of your house if you fell behind in your rent. So why are they more forgiving to Donnie than they are to you? Good question. Good question. Many theories abound. One is the old saying, and follow me in this old saying, as I say the old saying. If you you owe the bank... bank, Sorry, I was trying to follow you. Oh, okay. One more time. (laughs) If you owe the bank $100, it's your problem. If you owe the bank $1 billion, it's the bank's problem. And the other theory is that Donnie is the consummate con man. He wooed those lenders with his celebrity status, and they were hooked. At which point, I'd like to apologize to MAGA. You're clearly not the first to get suckered by Donnie's spiel. Clearly, this guy is exceedingly talented at scamming people and doing stupid things they shouldn't do, like lending him hundreds of millions of dollars for his wretched real estate deals or voting for him for president. The other theory offered by my good friend Jim Coogan is that there's something really smelly here. Some scandal buried deep behind the reach of the Times reporters. Donnie and his friends were either laundering money or bringing money in from Russian oligarchs. Who knows? The biggest travesty of the Mueller investigation is that they did not follow the money to see where it led. There's a new book about that by Andrew Weissman, which I intend to read. Andrew Weissman was an investigator for Mueller. They did not follow the money. They just didn't want to go there. Didn't think the country could handle the truth. 
So here we are, this big monstrosity with Donnie's name on a prominently place where everyone can see it. I'd say it's worthless, except a lot of good people got union jobs for building it, so that's good. Other than that, it's worthless. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He's got a lot of theories about Donald Trump and his tower. When doesn't he have a lot of theories about Donald Trump? <laughs> but before we bring him on, I'd like to bring on a young man from Alton, a young man that they call Dr. Doobie with the news. But, D, I got to tell you something. What? Now, this is just kind of embarrassing. This is very pandemic related, but someone is ringing the hell out of my doorbell. So I'm going to run down right now and tell them to stop ringing my doorbell. And then I'm going to come back upstairs. So just stall. Tell people about great all the great shows we have. All right. I'll do that if you tell us who's at the door. All right. wonder who that could be ringing this door. Hmm. Hey, everybody, did you hear our uh, interview with Troy LaRavier yesterday? Oh, my goodness. It's a fantastic interview. About as good as the last one he had. It's available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Uh, they talk about Ice Cube, 50 Cent. Uh, ben actually talks about Lil Pump. That's interesting. Uh, Troy LaRavier curses. Ben, uh, Troy LaRavier raps. No, Ben doesn't rap, so that's always good. But it was a great interview with Troy LaRavier. It's available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. We'll try to have Troy LaRavier on as much as we can, people. He's a great interview. Please go check that out. Ben, who was at the door? I don't know, but it was really weird. The doorbell kept ringing. (laughs) You know, do you think that uh, Joe Rogan has to worry about this stuff? But the doorbell kept ringing and ringing. I thought, what if it was like a neighbor who's like in trouble? I'm like, well, this is an all important podcast. But what if the neighbor was in trouble, right? They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like caught in the moment and we're live streaming and you're like, what do I do? I know. So I finally said, you know what? I'll go down and see who it is. And guess what? No one was there. Uh, I'm drink a water and catch my breath. I have a feeling I know who it was. Springfield politicians, <laughs> they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes. Thus, their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. All right. Phyllis, you're not going to convince me. Sorry, stop calling. Please, Ben. I want you to vote against the fair tax. Fellas, you know they gave you lies to read. No, I believe everything I read. Oh, fellas. Here, go over there. Ben just highlighted his, uh, his Tuesday night last night. That's what was going on. He was talking to Phyllis. That was fellas, the- <laughs> Ben, vote against it. No, I won't, fellas. You know you can't believe anything Kenny G tells you? I believe everything Kenny G tells me. Oh, come on, Philly. Philly. All right, now, uh, while, you were, while you were checking the door, I was telling everybody about our interview with Troy LaRavier. Awesome, right? Man. And here's the thing about that interview. We didn't do any uh, pre-show prep. In fact, I confessed that on the interview, Dean. Yeah. I called up Troy. I go, what's on your mind? Or I text him. What's it? And he goes, nothing. I go, well, let's just go without a net. So Troy and I have been doing interviews for, we can't do this with every guest, D. Most guests are like, uh, what are you going to ask Okay, we love uh, all of our guests on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. <laughs> but some guests get a little nervous. Uh, could you send me a, uh, a memo with every question you're going to ask? No, no. Some guests get a little nervous, D. Now, you know that. Other guests are like, come on, man, let it rip. And that was Troy. So I just, I, I said, okay, we had about 10 minutes. 
Uh, before we started the interview, D was uploading the show, yesterday's show, excellent show, I might say. And um, so I'm reading a newspaper, read about Ice Cube. I just asked him about Ice Cube and his bizarre sort of like touchy-feely relationship with uh, Donnie Trump. And man, Troy just went on a riff. I didn't know he knew so much about hip hop and Ice Cube, did you? No, I didn't. And uh, I didn't know you knew so little. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was telling everybody, I was telling everybody how uh, you referenced, you were Lil Pump. You're like, uh, we got Ice Cube, we got 50 Cent, we got Lil, I don't know, I can't read my handwriting, I don't know. <laughs> and then I figured it out it was Lil Pump. I never even heard of the guy before. I knew his, his brother and I went to high school, though. That would be Big Pump. Okay. So we went to high school together. Lil Pump was like the little guy that was just kind of trailing around. Hey, can I hang out with you guys? No. <laughs> Lil Pump. It's just the Big Pump, okay? Guys. Lil Pump doesn't like paying taxes, man. I figured out, like, a lot of rappers, they make a lot of money. And they're all of a sudden, mm, nah, don't think I want to pay taxes. Don't care about anybody else. I made mine. Sorry. Go see Ben Jarofsky at Zany's before the pandemic shuts him down. All right. It's a great, pump great show. Pump. Great show that he puts on. Good type. But no, and uh, uh, Troy LaRavier, he, he was he cursed a few times. He started rapping. It's just, it was a great interview. Um, it was. Yeah. Excellent. Go download it, it everybody. Both uh, Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Did, what? did you know those... Uh, uh, hip hop songs he was uh, quoting. I mean, just I know a few of them. Too. One of them, I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. that may be uh, that's an underground hit there or something. I don't know. He just started, I mean, rattling them off. I was like, whoa, that's impressive. And then I try to, sh you know, show. Well, I could do that too. I started quoting Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's like, who's that? <laughs> Anyway, it was a great time. Uh, Troy LaRavier really made some great points about where we're going as a country and the games Republicans play. And then we got into local stuff. Wow, great interview. Glad you reminded me of that, D. That was a great interview. I, you know what? I should do some promotion for once in my life and put that on on social media. Don't you think, D? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Ben, Ben, uh, Ben, Ben. All right. I don't know. But go download go that interview, guys. Both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And we begin with the governor. Today, our Democratic Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker, was at the Pullman Community Center at 10 a.m. He was there to highlight the Business Interruption Grants Program for community businesses impacted by the, uh, by the pandemic. And right now, he is preparing for his daily COVID 19 update at 2.30 taking place at all together everyone, you too Ben the Thompson Center oh, okay <laughs> we used to go by the Thompson Center as well in the brown line mm -hmm. after we passed Trump Tower we go past the Thompson Center go ahead D <laughs> so we're three days out from Halloween and although he hasn't made it official we can all tell what Governor Pritzker's costume is this year by now. He's a giant target because, my God, everyone has a problem with this man right now. I'm not a perfect person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As positive COVID-19 test results continue to climb in Illinois, we have another Illinois politician to add to the list of Illinois politicians who aren't necessarily feeling the governor's plan to rein it all in a bit. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. 
Uh, good question. <laughs> oh my God, the bar's low on that question. Go ahead, Dave. Now beginning, now beginning Friday, Chicago restaurants will be forced to close their dining rooms again, and Mayor Lightfoot, with a new budget plan intact, is challenging the governor's latest restrictions in the hopes he will reconsider the ban on indoor dining before the new mitigations go into effect. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, Mitchell Armentrout, and Fran the Woe Man Spielman. By the way, you can download the rate, uh, the latest Franz Spielman show now with Mayor Lightfoot. Her 100th episode. It's at the Chicago Sun-Times website or wherever else you download podcasts. But Lightfoot criticized Pritzker's new restrictions, saying she's not sure they're, quote, reaching the right people. Here's the quote from Mayor Lightfoot. Now, Ben, I also have quotes from Pritzker. I will read them both, and then you tell us your thoughts after that. Here's the quote from Lightfoot. Quote, if the governor's order goes into effect, it's really effectively shutting down a significant portion of our economy at a time when those same businesses are really hanging on by a thread. So we're going to, to, uh, to continue our engagement of the governor, of his team, but it's not looking good. And if we can't convince them that some, of, that some other metrics should apply, then the shutdown, unfortunately, is going to take effect. The truth is that we're seeing the greatest challenges in people's homes, in social sector settings that are not public. That's harder to regulate. Now on to Pritzker. According to Pritzker, and let's not forget, a group of medical professionals, Chicago is averaging twice as many COVID-19 hospital admissions per day compared to a month, and its average seven-day testing positivity rate has almost doubled since the beginning of October. We have the quote from J.B. Pritzker. Here's the quote. For a time, late in the summer, Chicago seemed to have this more under control than other regions of Illinois. But that's no longer the case. We can't ignore what is happening all around us because without action, this could look worse than anything that we saw last spring. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts? Well, you know, Dee, I'm always a little reluctant to say anything critical of Mayor Lori Lightfoot because I live on the north side of Chicago uh, where people love Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Remember the last time I said something mildly critical about her? They like almost kicked me out of my house. Remember that, Dee? <laughs> I had to wear like a Groucho Marx disguise <laughs> so people would know. Oh, you're saying, how are you today? You're saying, okay, Pitt, I know that's you. <laughs> nice bull's hat. <laughs> but I mean, come on, Mayor Lightfoot, you're starting to sound like DB. That's what my point was when I saw this story. I was so excited. I actually got up early today, ladies and gentlemen, and I read this story about the feud between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, J.B. Pritzker. I almost called Dennis right there and then. That's how excited I was. Oh, my God. I can't wait to talk about this. And Dennis was sleeping. <laughs> he would have been really mad if I woke him up just... Wait a minute, you woke me up to tell me there was a fight between J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot? Don't call me again. The one time Ben Jarofsky wakes up early, everyone else is sleeping in. and Isn't that funny? Oh, man, come on, Lori Lightfoot. Now, come on. Weren't you the mayor? Who's got, I'm going to lock you up. I'm going to throw you in jail. Wasn't that Lori Lightfoot? Wasn't she the one yelling at everyone because they went to the park and, like, flew a kite? Let's go fly a kite. Remember that day in March, was it, day or April? It was a nice day. It hadn't been nice in three months. Chicagoans flocked to the park. Mayor Lori Lightfoot took pictures. Then she posted them up. I see what you're doing, Chicago. I'm shutting down that park. She was tough in those days. That was the old Mayor Lori Lightfoot. 
The new mayor, Lori Lightfoot, Sam Toy on the Illinois Restaurant Association, whispering in her ear. <laughs> well, there goes Mayor Tough Lori Lightfoot. Finding her inner DB, Darren Bailey. Well, hey, I did my studies and I discovered that that, that actually, it's, and then she's got this obsession with people in their houses. This is the other thing. She still hasn't got over that party on the, what was that party on the west side, far northwest? Remember that one, D? Yeah, yeah. She was outraged. Man, the Sun-Times must have run 10 stories on that thing. They interviewed the mother, the son, the neighbor. Come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. We all know this pandemic is no joke. It's horrific on the restaurant business. I know that. I love restaurants as much as you do, Lori Lightfoot. I eat at them. I love the people, the entrepreneurial spirit of the people who run restaurants. I realize that there's hundreds and hundreds of folks who live in Chicago and the surrounding areas who depend on those jobs. But this is a serious pandemic. You're either going to protect people with it or you're just going to have sort of like this Donald Trump attitude, cavalier attitude. Well, let's let the chips fall where they may. And now I realize her hands are tied <laughs> because if the restaurants are going to survive through this next phase, through this winter, until we get that vaccination, if the restaurants are going to survive, to hold on, we need assistance from the feds. And right now, the people running the federal government are factions of the Republican Party that would be President Donald Trump and Senator Mitch McConnell, and they're not dealing anything out. This is the situation we, we're facing right now. So I would appreciate if Lori Lightfoot would use her clout to like put some pressure on Pritzker, excuse me, on Trump and McConnell. I know they're not listening to you, but just at least join the chorus. So I, I, I feel bad for JB. You know what, D, I've always said, I feel like this man is trying to do the right thing. The pressure he's facing is immense. He's up against MAGA, which doesn't believe the pandemic is real in any way. And just think about what if he does what Lori, Lori Lightfoot says? What if he gives a break to Chicago restaurants? Can you imagine what DB is gonna be saying oh, downstate? Yeah. Could you just imagine, all of a sudden, well, you know, you got a point. We're going to open the restaurants in uh, in Chicago, but what? Not DuPage? Not Will? Not Clay County? Not Metro East? Not Carbondale? I'm just, damn, I'm impressive or what? Right oh, my God. You woke up early. You know all these cities in <laughs> Illinois. Who, who is this man? I'm like an atlas. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, she would be, they would be railing her, him. If he gave a break to Chicago because Lori Lightfoot. And by the way, tomorrow when we're doing the news, we may be uh, after a phone call from Lori Lightfoot, JB said, oh, all right, you can open up. I mean, it may come to that. The guy's under so much pressure. But I just think that uh, it's, 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 look, anything I say is easy. I'm stuck here in my attic. I don't have a business at that's affected by it. So I, I really do sympathize. I try to eat out as much as I can. And unlike Darren Bailey, I tip, I tip him, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll call this guy cheap again. We have no clue how he tips. 
You know, he could be a big. Sorry, DB. That's just a joke. By the way, Bro, we, uh, you're a huge tipper. By the way, know? for those who don't know, DB is the downstate rep, Darren Bailey, yeah. the guy who is suing JB Pritzker. This guy. Well, that is correct. The governor Pritzker <laughs> will probably appeal it. So, uh, and 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 he's asking for the entire case to be heard. You know, which is including count one, which argues if he even had the authority to issue an emergency proclamation in the first place because we believe most of the times for instance when he issues emergency proclamations let's say there's there's an area that is flooding so the national okay. guard gets- all right that's enough <laughs> all right, enough i went on too long by the way let me just say this we got a f- few uh calls and emails about this yesterday we we did a whole db riff yesterday uh dennis played that interview a lot of people want to know is Darren Bailey really Dennis's Uncle Eldon? Okay. I just want to put this to rest right now, okay? All right, I just want to put this one to rest right now. No, he's not. Now, it's true. Uncle Eldon and DB have never been seen in the same room at the same time. That's true. Good point. Glad you raised it. But no, they're two distinct different people. Now, listen here, little Danny. I'll tell you what. That Bruce Rounder wasn't bad. Come on. So, yeah, DB, Darren Bailey, a downstate rep, soon to be state senator. Uh, and uh, he is he's sort of the the public face of the Republican Party these days, followed closely by Rod Blagojevich. These are the two leaders of the Republican Party in Illinois right now. It's a heck of a party you got there. And DB has been leading the charge uh, against in the fight against Governor Pritzker. He's personally been passing out those Pritzker sucks signs, I think. I don't know if he's personally, but by the way, D, is there any truth to the rumor that there's a Pritzker sucks sign in front of Lori Lightfoot's house? Oh, I'm just uh, asking you that. Is there any truth to that rumor? You're just stirring this pot, aren't you? Not as bad as Cranes. Oh, my God. Cranes loves a fight. (laughs) They're like the latest on the squabble. The fight. Lori Lightfoot versus J.P. Craig Hines, my old poker playing pal, is so happy. They're fighting. Yay. All right. That's that's enough on the Hines comments. I've been trying to get this interview for like a year and a half now Uh, with Greg Hines. Every time he cancels because you make fun of his poker playing. So please stop. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. But, you know, reports, it's a tough time for reporters. You need a good fight. All right. Going at it, Lori Lightfoot and JB. They're kind of holding back a little bit. It's a tough time for reporters. Donald Trump is president. How is it a tough time for reporters? Uh, Well, it's okay. Valid point. Good point. (laughs) Good point. How about this? It's a tough time for reporters focusing on Chicago and the state of Illinois. I mean, you have DB. That's true. But really, Dennis, you ever get the feeling that our show is the only one that gives Darren Bailey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially up this north. Yeah, no, I know. That's tip- so typical of Chicago based journalist. Um, His name is what again? Uh, Homer Bailey? Hmm. Uh, Daryl Holtz? <laughs> That's Holland Oates mixed. Anyway. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I I get you, Lori Lightfoot, but I don't know. I, I think that uh, in this particular instance, I think Pritzker's trying to do the right thing. And it's tough. I realize that. And by the way, Lori Lightfoot, you shut down those restaurants and bars. Boy, did you shut up. Slam the door on them. Right. 
I hear you worried about them when you slam the door in them, right, D? So I I just feel as though, you know, mayors. This goes back. I'm gonna I'm gonna t- just take a deep dive here, D. This goes back before Lori Lightfoot. When it comes to the Restaurant Association and mayors, they got this great relationship. And I remember because that's because mayors are always eating out. They go eat out. Do you think a mayor in the city of Chicago has picked up a tab in the last 30 years? You think when a restaurateur sees Mayor Daly or Mayor Rahm or Mayor Lightfoot in his or her restaurant, they're going to bill them? No problem, Madam Mayor. It's on us. Love the job you've been doing. Never listen to that hippie guy in his attic. You're doing a great job. Remember when we did the story? Oh, my God, he's just coming back to me. It was like the bread place on the north side. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like that guy, he's like she's putting him out of business, basically, by slamming the door on him. But even he, well, she's doing a really great job. So afraid to criticize her on the north side. I mean, she really slammed that door in my face. It was awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, there's nothing like a forceful door slammed in your face. I liked it. Anyway, uh, so I don't I this is just my personal theory. Just my uh, a mayor in Chicago hasn't picked up a tab in a restaurant since Harold Washington. Probably he didn't pick them up either. They're always comped. So glad you could be your your wish is my desire, Madam Mayor. Love the job you're doing. Dennis, get this per, get this mayor a cup of soup right now. Hurry up. Me? What? what? <laughs> Dennis, get this mayor some of our delicious homemade cheesecake right now. Mm-mm. Oh, thank you. By the way, Madam Mayor, let me just say this. I read on the internet, I think I read it in Breitbart Science, that it does not cause, the virus never spreads in a restaurant. It only spreads at home. Oh, no, this cheesecake is delicious. I think I believe everything you tell me. Okay, maybe Lori Lightfoot's better than that, but Mayor Daly was, he was the worst. He would go to restaurants and the restaurant guys, this is back in the days when cigarette smoking was legal in restaurants, and the restauranteurs would go and say, start sobbing to him. Mayor Daly, if you make cigarette smoking, I don't know I'm doing that. <laughs> Springfield politicians. I don't know why I started channeling my inner Phyllis. Hold on, Phyllis calling me again. Please, Ben, vote no. I'm not voting no, Phyllis. You got to stop calling me. Was that you ringing the doorbell just now? Yes, it was me. Stop ringing my doorbell. <laughs> Sorry, D. Where was I? Oh, so the restaurateurs, they would like start crying to Mayor Daly about how. If you ban cigarette smoking in Chicago, it'll drive us out of business. There was a hearing at the city council. Mike Ditka showed up. Coach, Mike Ditka, former coach of the Bear. Coach, Doug Coach. We live in Chicago. We love Doug Coach. So he showed up. He was complaining. He was like sick. It's the next step toward communism. People have a free f- f- First Amendment right to smoke cigarettes. And I'm going to smoke my cigars, whether you try to stop me or not. And so daily, like on the other side, you had the lung association, the heart association saying, no, this is this is horrible for health. And they, I don't know, they, they they extended it for a year. I'm about to say something nice about Rob McQuavish here, D. Uh-oh. So Mayor Daly said it's going to take a year to implement this. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. 
And but Rob Blagojevich, uh, in the meantime, got the state to pass a law uh, that banned cigarette smoking in restaurants statewide. So there went that year preparation that Chicago was, uh, had set aside. But that's it. It's that influence that restaurateurs have on our mayors. So I'm D, I realize, and I, I, I don't want to sound like Scrooge. I realize how tough this is on restaurants and how important restaurants are to the economy in Chicago. But I don't if it's if it's serious, if the pandemic's serious, why would you open up your restaurants? If it if it's not as serious and what? Pritzker is exaggerating? Dara Bailey's got a point. Is that what you're you're saying, Mayor Lightfoot? Well, come on and say it. So at least I'll tell you this, based on what you just read, Dean. At least she's not taking Pritzker to court, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, you're comparing her to Darren Bailey, but I mean, like, she's not suing the governor. You know what I mean? Fair enough. She's kind of pushing enough. back, you know? With pushing back. She's this is. But folks, I've been telling you this for two weeks now. Notice the difference, the subtle way that Sam Toya, the head of the Illinois Restaurant Association, uh, differentiates between Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot. And this is payback, right? Says nice things about Lori. Now she's looking out for him. So maybe this will help the Restaurant Association. Maybe Pritzker tomorrow, the story will be, well, Pritzker is reconsidered and will allow restaurants to stay open. I don't know. What do you think? I'm all over the map on this one. Do you think it's dangerous to go out to eat? Go. I don't know. That's hard. Well, I'll tell you, way to take a stand. (laughs) That's a tough one. That's tough. (laughs) By the way, they call, there's a reason they call him Dr. D. He's an expert on epidemiology. (laughs) And, uh, are you rapping? Are you rapping right now? (laughs) Yeah. My name is Dennis, and I like to say I know epidemiology. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. How do you even follow that up? Uh, (laughs) by the way, did you say, Did you say something about Rod Blagojevich earlier? I'm a Trumpocrat. Trumpocrat, that's right. Blago, I voted for him. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I voted for him. I'm not one of them. All these people, no, I did. I never voted. For oh, him. and also we have one more quote from J.B. Pritzker. Face coverings. Okay. <laughs> no, so I, I, D, it's a tough one. This is a real tough. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, like, so, are you Team Pritzker on this one? I think you're on Team Pritzker here. I'm very sympathetic to JB. Very sympathetic to JB. What he's trying to do, and um, I've said this all along. You know, it's it's look when I look, I look how Lori's venerated. You know, memes that are really positive about her. You know, and the people on the north side. Don't you ever say anything bad about Lori Lightfoot. You know what I'm saying? Nobody says nice things about JB. So I feel like I got to show some love for JB. You know what I'm saying, Dave? He's getting sued. They got JB sucks up. Pritzker sucks signs everywhere. So, you know, I, I, I got to say something nice. But uh, I, I, uh, I'm not ready. Look, I'm an old guy. I'm not really ready to go sit down. Although, I, confession time, D, I went into a pot belly last week oh my god <laughs> oh my god i but i go into restaurants all the time on the other hand i'm what running out of hands here i'm like an economist on one hand this on the other hand that i went into i go to restaurants all the time to pick up the food so i don't know hey jb and Lori, come on work out a deal huh 
And get D- DB in the room too. All three of you can work out a deal. Can we? Can we all get along? Another pandemic news. Ben, hold your ears. You're not going to like this. Basketball is among a group of winter sports that has been put on hold by Governor J.B. Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health. Pritzker announced this decision at a news conference Tuesday. Uh, This appeared to blindside the Illinois High School Association. Here's the quote from Pritzker. Quote, we know that this virus is of most concern when people are indoors with high contact, especially in vigorous situations that bring about heavy breathing, like in wrestling, hockey, and basketball. Sports played at a distance like tennis can be played, and sports that can be modified to have virtual elements, like dance, for example, offer more leeway in this moment. And the IDPH guidance reflects that. Basketball practices were scheduled to start November 16th, and games November 30th. There is now no target date for either to begin. I feel he's now that's just gone too far. Oh, he's on Team Lori. I'm I'm with Team Lori and DB. DB, file another lawsuit, would you? Get that lawyer working. Now you've gone too far, JB. My beloved basketball. I don't. Know, I'm all over the map, D. I, I really am. I mean, they had the NBA. Of course, it was in a bubble. So, are they capable of looking out for high school kids? I mean, clearly, JB's right. If there's any situation that might lend itself to spreading the virus it's a basketball game on the other hand i mean i don't know is there a way of monitoring it i guess do we have enough tests to do it oh god i feel so bad for everyone i mean i'm a bleeding heart liberal my heart is bleeding for every industry affected or what do we do you know what should we go trump just full trump and go let's just forget it how about that? That's the that's the Trump at a speech. That was good. Let's just that, forget it. That was very nice, Ben. <laughs> you know, COVID, COVID, COVID. I'm sick of COVID. Forget it. I'm sure COVID there, with Pritzker with COVID. There's a neighbor right now going, "Oh my God, is Donald Trump around?" <laughs> I hope that neighbor does not ring the doorbell anymore. By the way, I, this is a, a sports related story to show you the difficulties. I'm staying on top of the sports world. Um, do you allow me to do a little sports uh, discussion here? There's a connection to politics. Make it quick. <laughs> <laughs> Last night was game six of the World Series, Los Angeles Dodgers versus, uh, what was it, Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, the Dodgers victorious, three to one. Congratulations, Los Angeles. I'd like to give a shout out to Mike and Fred Klonsky, good friends of mine who are from Los Angeles. They're so happy they're doing cartwheels. It's our beloved Dodgers were victorious. Anyway, this is the point. In the middle of the game, D, I don't know. I was stunned that this happened. I think it was like the sixth or seventh inning. Don't cool me in the exact inning. But in the middle of the game, Justin Turner, I think his name is, the starting third baseman for the Dodgers, had to leave the game. They sent him out of the dugout because the results came in. He just tested positive. I'm like, that kind of threw me. I'm like, would you have the results have come in before the game? Like, why? I, I didn't even know what to say when, when they broke it. Breaking news, breaking news. Justin uh, Turner has left the game. When, when, wouldn't you have known that earlier? I mean, why would, like, are you processing test results in the middle of the game at about, like, 9 o'clock at night? Makes no sense, D. You know, but you would figure they had better protocols than that. Anyway, they took him out of the game. 
and then after the game, when the Dodgers were victorious, he came back on the field to celebrate without a mask. <laughs> I guess his attitude is, look, I've already infected everybody on the team. What's the point? You know, he's got an interesting point there, D. That's like closing the gate after the horse has left the corral. You ever hear of that? Sometimes it's like closing the, the door after the horse has left the barn. Whatever. It's a downstate reference. <laughs> so the point is, it's like if baseball can't get it together, Major League Baseball, how the heck are high school kids going to get it together? Unless we're just going to go full MAGA, full DB, and just say, forget it. Let the chips fall where they may. If that's the attitude, then let's get the basketball season going. So I'm, you know, D, I'm kind of all over the map because I know you talk about, look, restaurateurs, I think it's more severe uh, because it's their livelihood, their jobs. They can lose their businesses without aid. High school kids, on the other hand, this is their one shot to play basketball. So I really feel for them. You know what I'm saying, D? Like after this, it's all over. I mean, the young Dennis was a huge basketball star at Alton High. He was the power forward who averaged 10 no, points a game. No, <laughs> Just wanted to see if you were listening. But no, seriously, after your high school you know, senior year, that's it. So I feel for these kids, D. Come on, JP. What the hell? Let them play, huh? Come on. What voice is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. All right. Uh, shout out Sometimes to it just happens. Shout out know. to Kyle on the live stream chat. Kyle, I know, bud. He says, wow, I'm surprised. All it took was having a shutdown of high school basketball for the Ben Jarofsky show to turn full on MAGA. No kidding. Yeah, I know. That's pretty embarrassing. Don't let it get around. Also, hey, breaking news. <laughs> Governor Pritzker and the Illinois Department of Public Health are announcing COVID-19 resurgence mitigations uh, will be implemented in Region 9, Lake and McHenry counties, beginning at 12.01 a.m. on Saturday, October 31st, 2020. Uh, Region 9 has seen a seven-day rolling average test positivity rate of 8% or above for three consecutive days, which exceed thresholds set for establishing mitigation measures under the state's Restore Illinois Resurgence Plan. Uh, region 6, which includes Champaign County, Decatur, and much of the Eastern Bloc region, is not looking so hot either. Its latest positivity rate average is 7.9%. Ben, this is starting to bum me out. Let's just move on, okay? Yeah, let's 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 move on. I'm, uh, I think we're going to be in the attic and the apartment for another year, D. Let's just uh, good be Lord. honest. I miss that studio. Yeah, me too. I miss bas- I miss high school basketball. <laughs> Kyle's right. <laughs> yeah, I love high school basketball. So, I love restaurants too, man. All right, let's rough, let's move on here. The, the magic number is six, and no, not region six. We're six days away <laughs> from election day. We have an endorsement update and our final series of 2020 Illinois general election candidate campaign ads are coming through the wire, guys. It's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. (laughs) Hot damn, I love election season. Uh, I mean, before having a job that relied on daily political news, kind of despised it. But now I (laughs) love election season. 
<laughs> May it never end. All right. So our endorsement news comes from the heated Cook County state's attorney's race oh. between incumbent Democratic state's attorney Kim Fox and her Republican mm-hmm. challenger, Pat. Hey, how much for that Donald Trump poster? O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the brown line. Chugga choo choo. This comes from the Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton, signaling a potential crack in Democratic support for Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox. Republican challenger Pat O'Brien on Tuesday picked up the support of Alderman Brendan Riley. Ben of what ward? 42nd. What a nerd. The downtown (laughs) alderman voices concern about Fox's response to looting in his ward this summer, but he's now officially backing O'Brien. Alderman Brian Hopkins, who also became disenchanted with Fox, said he's sitting the race out. Ben, your thoughts here? Uh, We got a a surprise endorsement here. Yeah, first of all, I would I think you could take the word potential out of that sentence. It is a crack. Uh, Brendan O'Reilly is the uh, Democratic committeeman of the 42nd Ward, which is, uh, as Dennis just said, downtown ward. He's also the alderman. He's been the alderman for many years, defeated Burton Terrace, as Dennis would tell you, uh, back in the O's. And uh, Brian Hopkins, as you all know, is the alderman of the 2nd Ward, which uh, zigs and zags from the nearer west side into the loop. Uh, he was the alderman that pushed through Lincoln Yards. So anyway, my thoughts on this is I, I, not surprised, uh, as we've said in the show many times, the Gold Coast is probably uh, the most Republican area of Chicago. And uh, after the looting that took place in August, people just went. I wouldn't say they went full MAGA. Because my guess is that many of the people who live there hate paying taxes, so they're uh, Republicans when it comes to taxation, but they're more or less liberal on issues like uh, abortion rights uh, and gay rights. Uh, So they're probably liberal and socialist. So they may vote, maybe like 50% or so, 55% would vote for Joe Biden over Donnie Trump. Uh, even though they despise paying taxes. Uh, but they're very conservative when it comes to local issues. They can't stand the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, my guess is, is that the vote will be overwhelming against the fair tax. I think uh, Phyllis is perhaps the most popular public spokesperson in that area these days. Uh, Kenny G, they love Kenny G. So yeah, this is essentially uh, rich people who uh, have a, you know, a crummy attitude toward everybody else who's not rich, right, Dee? And they're really upset that there was rioting uh, in their neighborhoods. I don't blame them at all. I'd be upset if there were rioting in my neighborhood. I personally do not think I would be motivated to vote for a Pat O'Brien, a man who has run a contemptible commercial uh, that talks about save Chicago. Like, what are you gonna do to save Chicago, you know? Like this inching forward, inching towards some kind of criminal justice reform. We're not just like randomly throwing black people in jail, like inching toward that. Out the window it goes. We talked about this with Troy yesterday. Remember, D? We had this is part of the conversation we had with Troy yesterday. We were talking about Troy was say, talking about in general how the whole purpose of uh, politics is you try to build your support, build the number of people support you. Then I asked him about, well, what did you think uh, about the uh, the protests and the unrest this summer? Did that work for or against the Democrats? Get to hear Troy's response by checking out the interview. But the reality is, is that uh, it didn't take much for people in this neck of the woods to uh, essentially pull out their uh, MAGA hats. 
you know, and so Brendan O'Reilly's just trying to stay in touch with the people of this ward. So that means support Pat O'Brien, who's running this contemptible campaign against Kim Fox, in my humble opinion. And I don't know, like when I read the article, what, what evidence they have that crime is up because of anything that Kim Fox does. Crime was up throughout the O's. I will say this time and time again. In the 90s, when we had state's attorneys who just threw everyone in jail, did whatever the police wanted. You know, so I didn't see crime falling. I don't even know if there's a correlation between one and the other. In people's mind, there is. So I'm not surprised at all uh, that Brendan O'Reilly, I mean, he's feeling the pressure. You know, he has to go to meetings at uh, black clubs and stuff. People are yelling at him. So, he, you know, here are, okay. now will it mean that Kim Fox loses? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think Pat O'Brien will do really well in the 42nd Ward and in the second Ward. Uh, and he may win uh, the 42nd Ward. But uh, I, I still think Kim Fox will win this election. All right. Only time will tell. And we'll keep everybody posted on the Cook County State's Attorney. Any updates uh, as they become available? All right. With less than a week to go, our candidates have been spending some last minute campaign cash on flooding our computer screens and televisions with so many commercials. It will be over soon, everyone. But listen, no one and I mean no one breaks down a campaign ad better than our host, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> so let's hear the ads we have here. First up, the 13th Congressional District rematch. Democrat Betsy Dirksen Londrigan is the challenger. Republican Rodney Davis is the incumbent. We have seen quite a few campaign ads from both sides in this race. And the latest comes from the challenger. Now... Typical Republican move here. Rodney Davis, in his ads, has been figuratively placing the head of our highly suspect Democratic House Speaker Michael Madigan onto Turks and Londrigan's body in an attempt to scare the hell out of voters in the 13th. Has it worked? Yesterday, I would have said no. But after her latest ad, an ad defending herself against all the Madigan claims, I may be in the maybe category. <laughs> Uh, here's the way to take a stand, D. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Here's the press release. Today, Betsy Dirksen Londrigan's campaign released its 11th television ad, Truth, which lays out the repeated fact checks of Congressman Rodney Davis's lies. Multiple independent fact checks have called Davis's ads and claims false, yet he continues to fill the airwaves with lies about Betsy as well as his disastrous health care record. Here's the ad from Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. I'm Betsy Londrigan, and I approve this message. Hey. After all the ads, you deserve to know the truth. Independent fact checkers say Rodney Davis's attacks against Betsy Londrigan just aren't true. That claim is false. That claim is false. <laughs> the truth, Mike Madigan is not funding Londrigan's campaign. Davis is also lying about his record on health care. Davis voted 11 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act with no replacement. We can't trust Rodney Davis. There was. By the way, I think the guys uh, who do these commercials, think them up, are, are like cut from the same cloth that I am. Back when they were kids, they would sit in their room and make funny noises. You know what I'm saying? Like, that claim is false. <laughs> like the little <laughs> Like, that's a great noise. I'm like, wow, why did I think of that? You know, there's, I know there's, I'm not, I know I'm not alone out there. 
nobody else would admit it, but I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people like maybe, they, you know, they didn't do it in the room. Maybe they were, I could see young Dennis doing this when he's about 10 years old, just walking to school and no one's around him, talking to himself, making noises. Ooh, ooh. Oh, come on, D, admit you did that kind of stuff. Don't act like you were above it all. I'm above that. Like 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, of course. Of course I would do that stuff. I know. I did that stuff all the time. I'm still doing it. As I push closer and closer to 70, I'm still making funny noises. But these guys are pay paying big bucks to do it. You know, that you get a portion of the, I forget how it works, but let's say it costs like $10,000 to put that ad up. So the, the person who makes it gets a piece of that pie. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, that's how they make money. So they're making money off of making funny noises. Unlike me and Dennis, you know, <laughs> the but, opposite uh, of making money. Yeah, the opposite. You want to go? The opposite. But uh, you know, I'm thinking about this, Dennis. Is it? Does it mean that her campaign's in trouble because she's defending herself against ads at this time? Uh, yeah, like you know, she went this long. She went this that. long without, you know, take. She kind of took the bait, right? Like, yeah, she took the bait. And and here's the thing. You're absolutely correct. She took the bait. Um, it's obvious that Michael Madigan, Michael Joseph Madigan, is the most potent weapon the Republicans have right now. Uh, not, I, I would say it's throughout the state. Uh, Pritzker may be a second after this election, uh, and uh, you know because of the pandemic and shutting down the restaurant businesses, the restaurants are against him right now. So uh, it's. Um, but I still think Michael Madigan is obviously the the number one, and and Pritzker fights back. He's got money, and Matt Madigan, for whatever reasons, decided he I'm not fighting back. So here we go. Everybody's running. Every any Democrat in the state is going to be linked to Madigan, whether there's any linkage or not. It's uh, just like Biden. I remember, oh God, brings back the discussion over the summer, where all the. Uh, my Biden friends would come into the studio and go, Ben, you can't support Bernie. He's too far left. We're going to hear this from Monroe in about two minutes, I know. Ben, stop and, being uh, a hippie. Come on. Yeah, stop being a hippie. No one in Wisconsin's going to vote for Bernie. Woodstock was so have, long ago. Yes. They're going to have pictures of Bernie without a shirt on in the Soviet Union. What are you going to do about that? And so here we are in the uh, election. They're saying all those things about Biden. So Biden bent over backwards not to be Bernie, and they still call him a lefty. They, Trump said that Kamala Harris is more to the left than Bernie. She's a lefty. My, my Trump thing means a lot of work. No, it, no, it's Bernie. getting better. It's getting better. She's a lefty. <laughs> she's a lefty. So, you know, she's a lefty. Okay, that's the yelling. She's a lefty. <laughs> you need a new governor? So yeah, that's what they're gonna. Anybody and any Democrat's gonna get uh, the Madigan label affixed to them, and uh, we shall see. We shall. That was, a, that was a close election in 2018. On the other hand, the Republicans are trying to take away your health care. So if I'm a voter, you know, it's between health care and Michael Madigan putting his cronies on the payroll or getting ComEd to put the cronies on the payroll or i don't even know if he got him to do it i gotta redo the sentence d as i say it you know was willing to look the other way while comrade put the cronies on the payroll whatever it was which which one would you take? i would take the health care but that's me that's me 
All right. Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. Boy, he just really puts it out there. All right. He says, who gives a shit about Madigan? <laughs> just thought that was funny. That should be the ad, Frank. <laughs> I would welcome that ad. Who gives a shit about Madigan? <laughs> Nobody even knows who he is. If it wasn't for this commercial, there would be not one person. You're absolutely right, Frank. In the what? What is that? The 13th congressional. Not one person in that district would even know who the hell Michael Joseph Madigan was if it wasn't for all that money Bruce Rauner spent making him out public enemy number one. One. <laughs> so now they're like, oh, Madigan. They don't like him. Oh, I'm all a right. Republican voter. Our next oh. ad here comes out of the sixth congressional district showdown between incumbent Democrat Sean Caston and his Republican challenger Jeannie. Ives. So the big takeaway from this election for me so far has been the disappearance of the Jeannie Ives uber right wing gubernatorial candidate from 2018. It seems like she had a campaign makeover in this congressional run. And I got to say, Jeannie Ives 2.0, kind of boring. I miss the old. I miss the real Jeannie. D, just so you know, it wasn't just 2018. There was a career before she ran. You talk to Casey Kelly Cass and the other state reps from Chicago, they go, oh my God, Planet Ives, because she was out there, all right? Yeah. So I knew this new perky Jeannie Ives. I don't know where this is coming from. Yeah, Ives has been campaigning for this gig for a while now, and not once has she put out an ad gaslighting Illinois voters and a Offending anyone who may even slightly disagree with her. Uh, what do you think of the new Genie Ives, Ben? Not a fan? No. But I wasn't a fan of the old Genie oh, Ives, but oh, at least yeah, she was honest. Right. You know, I wasn't a fan of her politics, but at least she was honest. I mean, this new Genie Ives, like, be like all the other politicians. Why don't you learn from Donnie Trump? Be yourself. Work for Donnie, right? Just be yourself. <laughs> Oh, and uh, I owe you 10 bucks, by the way, because also Jeannie Ives did not once put out an ad calling Sean Caston a hippie. So I was I was wrong about that. <laughs> uh, collect that money. But we do have another ad from the rebranded Jeannie Ives campaign to play. Uh, it could be the last one of the season. Here's the campaign press release. Today, congressional candidate Jeannie Ives released her final cable ad of the general election, highlighting opponent Sean Caston's dismal record of choosing tax hikes and special interests over the real people and small businesses of Illinois' 6th congressional district. Here's the ad from Jeannie Ives. America stands at a crossroads, and Sean Caston's shown us his path. More government, higher taxes, debt for our children. Jeannie Ives Ives walks our path, safely opening businesses, getting kids back in school, protecting our families. That's why our neighbors and job creators endorse Jeannie, because she'll unleash America's economy and believes in America's spirit. Don't trust another Washington insider. Trust the leader who's walked our path and has always stepped up for us. I'm Jeannie Ives, and I approve this message. (laughs) You know, I said this before, I'll say it again. Jeannie Ives and Quentin Tarantino have something in common. They have a foot fetish. Remember the last one? Oh, walking my yeah. shoes. Yeah, uh-huh. And now she's like yeah. still walking. They showed her shoes again, too, in this ad. Yeah, she's got this foot thing going. And by the way, she's running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District in DuPage County and the suburban areas of Chicago. How is that going to unleash America's economy? One congresswoman. <laughs> my God. The unemployment rate has just plummeted 
in Texas and Alabama. It must be because of this new congresswoman elected in the 6th Congressional District. I know there cannot be a voter in the 6th Congressional District dumb enough to listen to that commercial and go, yeah, I think that if I elect this obscure rookie congresswoman who will have absolutely no clout in Congress, in a Congress that will be headed by Nancy Pelosi, the economy will be unleashed. And people who haven't worked in years will suddenly have jobs and will be all rich. I don't know. I miss the old genie Ives. Don't we all? Uh, you know, it was it was yeah. bugging, it was bugging me for weeks. I'm like, who does Jeannie Ives remind me of? Who does she look like? Uh, Steven on the live stream channel know what I'm talking about here. Barb Leahy from uh, the Trailer Park Boys. Pull up Barb Leahy. Pull up Jeannie oh, Ives. Boy, they look oh. identical. Steve sent us. Is that the same Steve who sent us that cool email? Yeah, we got to read that email. I don't. I got to find that. Oh, and I got Monroe coming on too. Steve, we got the email. Uh, I should share it with Moreau, but I forgot to tell Monroe about it in our pre-show. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a little break here. Let's play some Michael Girardi. I hit up Monroe on uh, the Google Meet, so he should be responding anytime. We'll play Michael Girardi. Maybe uh, give you some time to find that email. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk to the legendary journalist Monroe Anderson. Guys, reach out to us. Send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show, at gmail.com. And leave us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Leave us a voicemail. We're not going to answer. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from my apartment and Ben's attic. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's attorney, over 60 judges, our water reclamation district commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all of these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. chicagovotes.com Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Every Wednesday, Monroe Anderson, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson comes on the show. We talk politics, talk Trump, 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 and Trump. If you believe Monroe, our days of talking Trump, Trump, Trump and Trump are like the little sand in a sand glass falling to the bottom and they're almost out. I will now, Monroe, as I do every Wednesday, read what you wrote in Facebook, all right? I'm going to read your Facebook. Here we go. Is it like father-in-law, like son-in-law? This is good. I forgot about this. Is Jared Kushner as racist as Trump? Speaking of the president... (laughs) 
Would Donnie Appleseed be a better name for a man who's super spreading COVID-19 is campaign rallies? Did you hear about last night's rally where hundreds of Trump supporters were stuck in below freezing weather hours after Air Force One went wheels up with the irresponsible one? Actually, I had not heard about that. I'm going to need you to fill me in on that. Speaking of the great grifter, did you see the (laughs) failing in quotes New York Times story about how Trump wormed his cheated his way out of hundreds of millions of dollars of debt on the Trump Tower in Chicago. Ben and I will tell you all about this within minutes this afternoon. Uh, and then there's a link uh, in this posting on Facebook to the article where Jared Kushner is being interviewed. He says, black people must want to be successful. Ah, yes. Black people, not as successful as Jared Kushner, who was born a millionaire. All right, Monroe, before we, <laughs> before, before, <laughs> And, yeah. and like his father, he's going to jail pretty soon, too. Are his? Uh, oh, yes. His father went to jail. Right. That's correct. Right. He's put, put there by uh, a prosecutor named Chris Christie. How about yes. that? Huh? Yes. I know. Which, which, which is why Chris Christie wasn't the um, running mate. The running mate or chief of staff or all right. the other things he wanted to be as he was toting up the Trump. Yeah. He would. He had a meeting with Donald Trump, and all he got was COVID nineteen. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. And that before we get it further, I I don't I don't get up early enough on Sunday to watch the George Stephanopoulos show. So I and you're my go to guy in that category. Is Chris Christie still on that show, or or did they yeah. get time off to get yeah, better? No, he 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 and Rom are still there. That's the, 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 the yin and the yang. <laughs> Ding and dang. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, listen, before we get started, uh, one of our listeners wrote a, uh, a letter, sent it to me regarding something that you said last week and chiding us. Uh, and I just want to, I'm not going to read the whole letter because it's a long one, but Stephen, uh, I thought it was a pretty good letter. He, he raised some good points, uh, but he was... Um, uh, taking issue with something you said last week, and uh, and here I'll just yeah. read it to you. Uh, during during his Wednesday, Wednesday spot, Monroe Anderson trotted out the tired old trope of the dreaded participation trophy. It made me so mad. After all, why should millennials be negatively characterized for something, quote, his generation invented, meaning your generation? If you will indulge me, I'd like to don my voice of the generation hat and speak out in defense of the practice on the following grounds. Monroe said they all think they're so special, like that's a bad thing. What would you have us do instead? Hate ourselves? No. Cornell West tells us that every child is precious. To tell people otherwise is an assault on our collective self-worth. In a time when so many are so downtrodden, why give the born losers any more reason to hate ourselves? Uh, The kids with participation trophies were on losing teams. It's a well-known fact that there is perhaps no playing field less level. Rim shot than kids sports besides capitalism. The parents that run the league stack their teams without fail. Having been on a few of these myself, like it's true. I coached. I know what you're saying, Stephen. Having been on a few of these myself, I got to say, I earned that trophy a hell of a lot harder than some of the kids with well-connected uh, who parted parents who coast to wins playing the inside game. Um, he thinks Monroe needs to wake up early on a cold rainy Saturday and get blown out. By the lady that wrote, that's so true, Stephen. Monroe, I coached uh, for many years. I hope you will pass this along to Monroe, and this can be the start of productive intergenerational discussion of how the world of sports inevitably reproduces the power dynamics in inequities of capitalism. 
Monroe, you got to give them uh, make a concession here. There's nothing that bad with participation trophies. And I know you and I, as baby boomers, like to make fun of millennials, particularly our offspring who are millennials. But, right. you and, know. And I was out there freezing my butt off uh, when my younger son, Kyle, played soccer. I didn't coach. But just being out there was was a sacrifice as far as I was concerned. <laughs> Soccer is a very boring game to me. All right, now we've just uh, insulted our soccer listeners. But I, I, I'm going to say this. Okay, well, now, but back to it is a very nicely written letter. I'll give yes. you credit for that. However, uh-huh. I did not say that they. I did not speak negatively of the millennials. In fact, I, if I recall, I said, because I have two of them, I yeah. love them. But, I, I, but that does not make them not spoiled. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like uh, participating. And, 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 and uh, to, to a, 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 a comparative uh, degree, with our with the greatest generations they call them the baby boomers were spoiled oh the baby boomers suck and i say that as a baby boomer the the baby boomers were the first generation that were actual teenagers i mean we created teenage the whole teenage idea and and we had our own music and we had our own dress style on and on and on we were the me generation yeah no, baby boomers uh, worthless. Baby boomers are worthless. Let's just call it what it is. Except, I mean, let's think, as I always say, whenever we discuss baby boomers, let's think about the baby boomers who we've contributed to the national stage. Bill Clinton, Donnie Trump, and Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> Heck of a generation, baby boomers. Barack Obama. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're talking presidents here. Yeah. And, 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 um, and, and contrary to some commentators, um, uh, viewpoint, Biden is not a baby boomer. No, he's not. Yeah, he's he, too old. He's In too fact, old to be a baby boomer. Right. right. I don't know. And we've discussed this. I have no idea what generation he is. All right. Uh, so he thank is, you. For- he, he is he is um, what um, uh, God, um, the the New York um, Jewish movie maker famous Woody Woody Woody. He's Woody Allen's uh, generation. Yeah, Woody Allen, he, yeah, Woody Allen said they were in the trenches. His generation, in in between the greatest. And the uh, Woody Allen said that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we're quoting Woody Allen. Uh, uh, we, we actually in a pre-show meeting we talked about Woody. You know he's never ever had a black person in one of his movies. He's the uh, one movie makers. I I think he had one after you just have haven't watched one of his movies since about 1999. I think he had one. <laughs> one. Who was that? I don't know, but I remember he's like, all right, he's so sick and tired of getting criticized by Spike Lee. He threw one guy in, he threw a bone at some. No, uh, Woody Allen's got a lot of issues. Hey, need to be a, need, need a job. Can you act? Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> he's the only person in this next movie. 
Uh, we have a lot to discuss uh, and um, have a whole list of things. We're going to conclude with your predictions, which uh, I've been taking predictions from every guest as to the outcome of this election. I think we know what uh, your predictions are. Uh, what's that? Landslide. <laughs> Landslide. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's discuss uh, Donnie's behavior in the last week. It's very unusual behavior, uh, Monroe. No, no, not unusual. More of the same on steroids. You know, for for the last four years, we've been commenting on his behavior, saying it was unprecedented. It was ridiculous. This was the end of him, mm-hmm. and he managed to skirt away from each and every one. However, the COVID has caught up with him, and and um, it's it's doing him in. Now, do you think Donald Trump wants to be reelected? Yes and no. I mean, not what I think, what he, how he feels is a yes and no. It's, 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 it's too much work, mm. but he likes the power. Yeah. And the important thing is the reason he really, 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 really <laughs> wants to get reelected is so he won't go to jail. Because <laughs> that's where he's on his way. <laughs> After he loses next week. Oh my God. Uh, so in other words, he really wants to get reelected to stay out of jail. I also think he loves the adulation of MAGA. Don't you think that too? Oh yeah. Yeah, but he he can do that. He he'll unfortunately until they lock his ass up, he'll be doing that. You know, as as the 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 um what what do you have the loyal opposition or the disloyal opposition in his case, he'll be out there. In fact, he'll be out there asking more people to um, get the virus or freeze their asses off. They sent just so you'll know with this this rally in Nebraska last night. Mm-hmm. They, they hundreds of people were 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 there hours after Air Force One had taken Johnny uh, Donnie away, and um, seven were taken to the hospital. They were in other conditions, you know, as old folks. The, the the problem was that the crowd was too large for the venue. And so they couldn't get the cars out. They couldn't get out in the cars. They couldn't get the buses there. It was just, it was typical Trump, incompetently done. Yeah, and with other people paying the price. Right, right. Other people are always paying the price for Trump's incompetence, his right. negligence, his sleaziness. Right. Uh, please explain MAGA's adoration for Donald Trump. Four years into this phenomenon, five years into this phenomenon, uh, it's been five years since uh, Trump came down those stairs, and MAGA loves him as much now, more even more than yesterday, as the song says. Please explain uh, this infatuation that MAGA has with Trump. In a word, Fox. There's there's an echo, information um, eco 
um, center where they get their, their they they get their news from Fox, from Rush, from Newsmax, but it's all right wing stuff, and they're all all telling them the same lie, and so that's their reality. And so you know, depending on who you're talking to among the MAGA butts, um, Trump was sent by God. I mean, literally a godsend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the um, um, Anon people. QAnon. Yeah, QAnon. Sorry, QAnon people think that um, he's he's here to protect the uh, babies from being sex sex slaves and eaten by Democrats. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he he gave them the judges they wanted. He gave the rich people the taxes they wanted, tax cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, very importantly, is he triggers the libs who, who look down upon them for some reason. I don't know why we look down on them, but we do. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that last point may be uh, maybe the the strongest. Uh, I, I just wrote this. I was thinking about this, uh, Monroe. Uh, in politics, so many times we love a person or support a person because of the political enemies. Uh, he or she has. And so hate is actually a stronger force than love in politics. So, for instance, if MAGA is turning against J.B. Pritzker, as they are throughout the state of Illinois, I find myself liking J.B. Pritzker more and more. And we'll get to J.B. and Lori, get your thoughts on that. Okay. And a little squabble. But I, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, like hate is a powerful force. And the fact that Donald Trump like hates on Colin Kaepernick and hates on LeBron James and hates on all the symbols. Well, that's, that's black men. And I, that's, that's another, that's, that's also the little racist thing going on. Not every Trump supporter is a racist, but almost every Trump supporter is a racist. Well, let's, or as the line goes, not every Trump supporter is a racist, but every racist is a Trump supporter, uh, as the line. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that works. Uh, now, let me ask you this about rich people. You mentioned rich people, uh, and you live uh, among the rich. Yeah, so you I know a two about them uh, uh, more yeah, than I do. I, I, if, I, if I hadn't bought my house 42 years ago, I couldn't afford to live. Oh, no. And they're probably every day plotting how to get you out of that house, but whatever, you're there and you have the deed, uh, so they can't kick you out. So just help me out here. You deal with rich people uh, all the time. See them when you you used to go for walks, you would see them. So when I I was white women, when I walked, went for walks. What'd you just say? (laughs) I would scare white women. Yes. Which is really weird. I've known Monroe for a long time. He's not a scary guy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all right. I've known him since 1982. Wow. Anyway. All right. Um, so follow me on this one, Ro. Yes. The, um, 
My sense of it is when I saw that Alderman Brendan Riley of the 42nd Ward, which is just uh, south of where you live, it's the Gold Coast, uh, yeah. supported uh, Pat O'Brien against Kim Fox in the state's attorney's race. Yeah. That sent a message to me that constituents in his ward were, there was more MAGA support there than I had originally realized. And my guess is it's that they love those Trump tax breaks. They're well-to-do people. Trump's tax breaks and um, violence and 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 law breaking and what have you was fine when it was on the south and west side, but damn it, it's come to the Gold Coast. <laughs> we don't have any type of that. We we like our our our, our crime white. <laughs> And collar, as in collar. collar. Yes. Uh, so yeah. you think? So you think MAGA will get a uh, Trump will get a lot of support out of the rich wards in Chicago? Uh, no, no, I don't think a lot. He'll get some, but I don't think he'll get a lot. It's it's a difference. They don't like Kim Fox mm-hmm. because. She's not sticking all the black people in jail, as we know we all need to be. All the black folks need to be in Cook County Jail. Uh, and so she's, she's too lenient on that. And O'Brien is, is saying, I know what to do with them. And so they like that. I'm also... I'm also on on a on a list called the Central Neighborhood, which talks about the neighborhood, you know, and and um, you you get you know uh, you you get white folks who live in the neighborhood speaking freely about how they think they're reporting crime and and the criminals are running wild in the neighborhood and. Um, it's um, an interesting. Sometimes just just because I do what I do, I will comment. Yeah, just that's just what we need: more black men in Cook County Jail. <laughs> and what's the response? Uh, nothing. You know, because my picture is there, so they know I'm a black person. Said it. Yeah. And so uh, usually there's no response. Yeah. No, I, I mentioned this a few times on the show. I was a little disappointed with the resilience of my Gold Coast neighbors, uh, my Gold Coast brothers and sisters. I mean, yes, they, it, it was disturbing that there were two days of looting, but they're all sudden <laughs> two days. They're out of here. That's it. Right. Exactly. Man, whoa. I Not in it for the long haul, I see, huh? Right, right. right. I'm right. out of here. Right. And no, this whole this um, the Gold Coast Lincoln Park. It's uh, what a friend of ours describes as the land of aren't I special? Mm. And so you're special. You're not supposed to be bothered with all these things that regular human beings in the city have to deal with. Speaking of people who uh, expect participation trophies every day that they wake up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go uh, over to uh, Trump's comments in Erie. Uh, you noted them to me uh, pre-show. Uh, I had forgotten about them. I have, don't think I've ever seen a politician say anything quite like this uh, to his adoring supporters. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't believe, by the way, I think he needs their adulation as much as they need to see him. Uh, you know, it's I think it's a two way street. But um, 
Strange comment. He'd rather it, it be in Queens or in uh, Cleveland or someplace. You know, it's, Erie, Erie is is um, the dumps. You know, it's, it's he, that's what he meant by it. Mm. You know, he once he once he was driving through the South Side one, uh, and he wanted to know how black people could live in conditions like that. Uh, and I didn't know that he actually drove to the yeah. south side of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and if I'm memory serves me right, this is one of um, Michael Cohn's uh, contributions to civilization. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, like uh, speaking of Chicago, uh, let's talk about Trump Tower. It's on my mind. I read the article. I sent it to you to read. You read it, uh, and I appreciate you reading it. This is the article I talked about uh, earlier in the show uh, where Trump was able to build Trump Tower uh, to a large degree because all the people who lent him the money to build it forgave the loans he didn't pay back. And uh, That's his M.O. He just, he, what he does is he, 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 he stiffs you. And then um, you take him to court, and he 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 weasels this way and worms that way, and uh, wears you down to where you say, "Okay, keep the money." <laughs> okay, it's too much trouble. <laughs> You're too much trouble, and that's how he's been handling the COVID crisis. He figured if he denied it long enough, then we'd all forget that we're dying and we're sick and we're unemployed. You know, we just skip because he is sheltered from all that as he has been sheltered from everything else in his life. In other words, this is an interesting theory I hadn't thought about. Donald Trump figured that COVID was like a banker. Yes. And that uh, if he just ignored it, his pleas for long enough, or or he was probably trying to figure out a way he could sue COVID. Uh, <laughs> you know, look into that, boys. Uh, he's been blaming it on China, thinking he might be able to make them pay for it, and um, along with Mexico paying for the wall. So in other words, uh, if he just ignored it, it'd be like the, the debt, that the, the loan he owed, it would just go away. Right. But it, it hasn't quite worked that way. No, no. It's been compounding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, other people are paying for it. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yes, with uh, with their lives. And Trump's uh, latest, of course, Monroe, as you know, in addition to uh, uh, denouncing that COVID as just a concept uh, that he has to deal with, uh, has said that he he's basically through with discussing it. He's sick of reading about it in the newspapers or hearing them say it on TV. Right. Uh, have a hard time believing that that message of just utter indifference and resignation uh, to the pandemic is going to capture Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, all these different states. He needs them all. Arizona. You know, he'll, he'll, Arizona, yes. Florida. I have a hard time believing that. Your thoughts? Those of us who are senior citizens, mm -hmm. 
don't like him so much anymore. Now, of course, I never liked him, but those of us who were who those senior citizens, those senior citizens who were in his corner, don't like him anymore because he's handled the pandemic so poorly, and a lot of us have died already. And those of us who haven't died yet are worried about dying before we want to. Or are being painfully ill because it's a horrible disease. If even if you live through it, and so his numbers among senior citizens has, have dropped dramatically, and his rallies that he's holding now are pissing senior citizens off because those rallies are super spreaders. Um, they're very irresponsible. And everywhere he's had a suitcase, a rally, the number of, um, of um, infections and deaths have gone up two weeks later, despite. And senior citizens keep up with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, you said. Yeah, sorry. So it's you, not working for him. It's not working. You said something, I wrote it down. You said, I've never liked him. Now, I know that you've never liked him as a president or as a presidential candidate. I'm curious about something. Yeah. Back in the day. Yes. In the 80s and the 90s, when you first became aware of Donald Trump as a celebrity and as a force uh, in in real estate and uh, gossip columnists, did you dislike him? Were you disinterested? Uh, but or did you have an affinity toward him? Uh, yeah, I, I felt about him like you feel about Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> Love immensely? Uh, no, just kidding. Dreams <laughs> <laughs> uh, every night. <laughs> the views and opinion of Monroe Anderson do not uh, re- represent. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, the Ben Jarofsky show. And, and I think I've told you this, but I, I have actually met him in person, shaking his hand. Came, and I forget this. I know you've told me, but what? Yeah, yeah. In 1988, when Tyson fought Spinks. Oh, yeah. Sawyer went to the. Yeah, I remember yeah, this. Sawyer yeah, Sawyer went. And afterwards, we went to, to, to Trump's casino. And there, he had a receiving line for us, or, or he, I don't know. Anyway, you know, I was introduced to him. Sawyer was introduced to him. This is Al Johnson, one of his his schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 um, at that time, Trump was hanging out with Don King and Tyson mm-hmm. by default. And, you know, and I knew John King was a hustler. That's putting it mildly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what a hustler. You know, so it just wasn't, you know, and, and they were going gaga over him because he was a billionaire. Yeah. You know? Well, and, let me, all right. And I, I was impressed. Uh, let I, me ask I, you about. I like him, though. That just, yeah. Uh, uh, Armstrong Williams yes. gave an interview with the New York Times, and Armstrong Williams is a right-wing uh, commentator. I, I, no, know, I know Armstrong. I've had conversations I, with him. I'm just saying it for our listeners who may not know who Armstrong Williams is. I know you know who he is. Yeah. I didn't know you knew him, but I yeah. literally I know you know who he is. So Armstrong Williams, very prominent black conservative, has made a good money 
uh, being a black conservative, as Monroe likes to point out many times, there is good money in the business of being a black conservative. Right. Yeah, uh, he gets a lot of contracts from the Republicans in, in D.C. Yeah. Well, he gave an interview uh, with uh, the New York Times, and it was kind of a feeble attempt. I, I should send it to you so you can read it, Monroe. It was kind of a feeble attempt to uh, and, uh, recommend uh, Donald Trump to black voters. And in the end, he just said, voters, do whatever your conscience tells you. He couldn't even wholeheartedly endorse Trump, which is interesting for Armstrong Williams. But right. something he said I found interesting. I'd love to run it by you. He okay. said that, in his humble opinion, Donald Trump is not a racist, personally. And then he pointed out that Donald Trump uh, likes black people. This is what he said. I'm paraphrasing Armstrong Williams. And then he named the black people that Donald Trump liked. Oprah. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, he might be, yeah, and Trump probably is the only white person in America who likes Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to start laughing. <laughs> I was trying to keep a straight face. These are the black people. He likes Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He yeah, he's a, yeah. Trump is a fanboy also, though. So, I mean, that's why I was hanging out with um, uh, Don King. Yeah, I love you know, I mean, he 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 has entertained Jesse Jackson. Yes, Jesse was on the list. He likes right. Oprah, Jesse, right. and I think it was Mike Tyson. Those are the three people that. Uh, yeah, right. right. He's a he's a fanboy. If you can do, he's very trans transitional, uh, transformative, which is a transactional. Transactional. That's the word mm-hmm. I'm saying. He's very transactional. If you can do something for him, mm. and if you're willing to do it, then you're okay with him. Yeah, he don't care. Then, then, then he's an equal opportunity, opportunity exploiter. Hence his new love for Kanye West, Ice yeah. Cube, right. which is so bizarre. The right. relationship between Trump and Ice Cube Monroe is like, right. wow, that is out there. Right. Exactly. You know, and he was Omarosa for a while until till she wrote the book. You know, you know, yeah. like, no, she fi- he fired her. He f- they had a falling out before she wrote the book. I think the book was after they, the falling out. They didn't have a falling out. Kelly. Kelly had her thrown out. Which Kelly? General Kelly. Oh, could, yeah. And he had her because she was in everybody. She was Omarosa. So she was in everybody's business. She was she 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 wasn't checking in with Kelly. She would go in to see Donald whenever she wanted to into the over the office. And I I have speculations about that, but I won't do it here and yes, please. Don't. Uh, but 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 anyway, so and Kelly couldn't stand her. Kelly was also a racist, but anyway, he couldn't stand her. So he finally managed to get her to be able to fire her. But when he was fired, they they literally dragged her out of the White House, screaming and hollering for Donald. She was trying to get get up to Trump, who spends more time (laughs) up in the quarters than he does in the West Wing. (laughs) Wasn't in the West Wing, so she was yelling, "Donald, Donald!" It's a very strange scene. Oh my God! What a weird, group. <laughs> what a weird group, what a weird group. Yeah. Do, do you uh, ever watch Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I watch the uh, clips every every Sunday. Actually. Uh, yeah. Did you I, see the clips about how we're gonna miss Donald Trump when he's gone? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. No, we don't have anything to talk about. 
Uh, I don't know. I had a whole life before Donald Trump. I got a feeling I'll have a whole life after Donald Trump. So, you know, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, uh, it could be boring. <laughs> man, that we Saturday Night Live, that, that one uh, bit they had about the white women going to Africa. Did you yeah, see oh, that one? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Right. I know. You know, what? what's really funny about that, this is what I was telling my wife Joyce, is that back in the eighties, between marriages, between my first wife and Joyce, uh, I was a bachelor and I went to the Bahamas yeah. on vacation by myself. Okay. And I went to this one club and there were all these white women from the US lined up in a line to dance with black men from the Bahamas. They come on vacation where they could be with a black man and nobody yeah. would come. And um, I, I was trying to find one to get with me, but they weren't interested. I, I was just a regular old <laughs> Nothing exotic about me, so it didn't work. Uh, no, uh, the Steely Dan actually wrote a song about this, uh, and Haiti is in the title. It's about a, a, a white woman who goes to Haiti and has an yeah. affair, comes back with the baby, uh, uh, or comes back pregnant. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but anyway, all right, we went on a tangent there. I mean, you go on that tangent. Dozen or more women, and these guys. I, you know, I just, I, I, I just thought it was something I'd never seen before, or since, for that matter. All right, so it's time for you to make your uh, famous predictions, uh, which people will take to Vegas uh, and lay money down on bets. So here's yeah. the issue. We'll yeah. start with the presidential race. Will uh, Joe Biden su succeed and defeat Donnie Trump, or will Brett Kavanaugh uh, and Amy Coney Barrett uh, and the rest of Trump's uh, foot soldiers in the Supreme Court steal the election for Donnie? Your prediction. If if they got the chance, they would. However, despite Putin's efforts, they won't get the chance. It's going to be so overwhelming. It's going to be a landslide. We're going to know, you know, they're talking about two or three days or three or four weeks or whatever before we know who won. We're going to know by 10 o'clock Tuesday night. This time next week when we're on your show, uh, we'll be talking about this. 10 o'clock Chicago time or yeah. East Coast time? Um, Chicago time. Okay. No, okay. okay, East Coast time. Let me, let me give no, myself no, no. a minute. Wait, get, wait, 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 wait. There's no way. That would mean 9 o'clock Chicago time. The polls will barely have been closed in the Midwest. Right. Right. I think you should go back to the 10 o'clock okay, Chicago we'll time. Back to 10. Okay, we'll go back to 10. I'll make it is we're going to know early in the night. It's not going to be any of this late night stuff. And do you think Donnie's going to uh, try to pretend as though? We're going to get the Senate, the Democrats. Wow. We'll get the Senate. And next year, we're going to unpack the courts. And the way we have to unpack. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch's courts is by adding more Democrats to balance it out again. Mm. Well, I hope you're right in that one. I, I feel. Oh, it's going to be, you know, uh, Biden is dancing around. They, they, uh, most of the Democrats are dancing around. I'm not saying that's what they're planning to do because they don't want to give the Republicans an issue to run on right now. Yeah. 
But it come November 4th, oh, we need to reform the courts. They're going to say, the courts, they're going to say, yeah, boy, we just, we need a reformation. Yeah. And reformation means that we need a few more justice up here. <laughs> Uh, normally, uh, I have an aversion to anybody ever using the word reform. Well, I do. I say, when it comes to Chicago, don't ever trust anybody who says they're going to reform schools, uh, politics, uh, city hall. Don't believe them. When it comes, uh, but in the case of the courts, here, here, reform them right now. Exactly. That, that's what they're going to call it. You know, it's just like with the the uh, police departments, the, the police departments across the nation. You don't say uh, we're going to defund them, fund them. You say we're going to reform them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how you do it. Much nicer. Yeah. No, I haven't I had a guest on this show who thought defunding police was a good. Uh, <laughs> well, well, that's not true. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa Alderman of the. Uh, uh, 35th Ward endorses the notion of, uh, but most guests are saying, can we work on that language a little bit? Yeah, right. No, it's just the language. It's not yeah. uh, the concept is beautiful. It needs to, you know, for example, the kid um, who got shot last night, I think it was night before, uh, because he had a knife. In Philadelphia, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, was, he had a mental problem. Yeah. No, his mother was there and everything. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the guys from the neighborhood who witnessed it says, um, and then he says, but they could, they, they could have not shot him at all. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that, um, don't get me started here, Monroe. I talk about this all the time on the show. Uh, Republicans are always talking about, like, whenever it serves their purpose, like, particularly when the issue of gun control, it, it's not, uh, the issue is not that there's too many guns, it's that people have mental health issues, and then they right. never do anything ever about it. Right. Never do anything about anything, about anything for that matter. Well, we may get gun control pretty soon, because... Uh, yeah. You got these, these um, militia, white militia, mm. across from coast to coast, um, showing up with guns mm. at the Black Lives Matter protest. And in um, Louisville, the Black Lives Matter protesters are calling on the Black Panthers to watch their backs. Yeah. And so it's nothing scarier in, in America than a bunch of black men, men well armed. Yeah. Well, the original Black Panthers showed up at the California State House back in 1966, I want to say, or 67, 68, somewhere around there uh, with weaponry. And that was the only time Ronald W. Reagan, the NRA, supported gun control. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. uh, exactly. It, to uh, prove your point. All right. Uh, so we're going to uh, close by getting you to take a stand. No ducking, no dodging. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot versus J.B. Pritzker, Governor J.B. Pritzker on the issue of restaurants and how much of a shutdown we should have. Are you with Team Lori or Team J.B.? Go ahead. Well, that's a that's a that's that's a trick question, because <laughs> uh, Lori, Lori has every every mayor because it's going on across throughout the state. Mm-hmm. The, these, these municipalities 
are in deep trouble financially. And so they need it to be open uh, to uh, alleviate it to some degree. However, on the other hand, J.B. Prisker Wait, hold on. You, you, you faded out there. Yeah, right. uh, on the other hand, J.B. Pritzker, what did you say? He's just trying to save lives. Yeah. You know, this is this is this 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 pandemic, no matter what Trump tells you, is horrible. It's, it's very deadly and dangerous. And so we've got to we've got to make sacrifices. You know, for example, the Lincoln Park neighborhood I live in, when I first moved here, it had link fences up all around. And um, we asked one of the neighbors, older neighbors, people who lived here all their lives, why so many link fences? And they said because um, they donated their wrought iron fences to the war effort because they needed the, the metal to make weapons. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to do. We have to sacrifice um, a lot of stuff now. Now, Congress needs to pay us uh, pay yes. us more yeah. to give these restaurants a break, you know, because that's absolutely that's yeah. and and that's where I would like to uh, at this stage. I, even if you do open them up, I want to. Uh, even on it'd still be on a limited basis, and you wouldn't yeah, have full seating. Bad. They're I still going to need assistance. Right. What's that? I yeah. won't be going to one. No, no, well, you, Monroe, and, Monroe and I are two old geezers, and we are leaving right. our right. homes. Right. Uh, the, the best meal I've had, ever had in my life is worth buying over. Yes. <laughs> All right, Monroe Anderson, I wrote down your predictions, and you'll be here next Wednesday, and either you're going to be taking a victory lap, which I really hope you're going to be doing, yeah. Oh, you're going to be doing some explaining. Uh, I hope it's the victory lap. I just hope it's the victory lap. All right. Uh, if not, have, have some fresh baked bread for me to eat with my crow. Okay. All right. Very good. That's the great Monroe Anderson. Every Wednesday, the Ben Jarofsky show. Take care, Monroe. Dr. D, you got any updates for me? Uh, yeah, we got a quick update here. First off, we want to remind everybody, if you've yet to listen to our interview with Troy, the Ravier people, you need to do it. It's available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Troy raps, curses. Ben does not rap. We're not going there. Uh, he also curses. It's a good time. Go check it out. Uh, Troy LaRavier is always a fantastic guest, available to both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. All right. We mentioned earlier, beginning Friday, Chicago restaurants will be forced to close their dining rooms again, and new mitigation efforts will be placed in Chicago. Last we checked, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was looking to cut a deal with Governor Pritzker and try to get the big guy to reconsider these mitigations, saying it will destroy the Chicago economy. We have an update on this. This comes from the Sun-Times and Mitchell Armentrout. A day after the mayor criticized the governor's enhanced COVID-19 restrictions that prohibit indoor dining service in the city and said she'd try to persuade him not to implement them, 
Pritzker said he will not budge from his restaurant crackdown. Here's the quote from J.B. Pritzker. Quote, the same, mitigation, uh, the same mitigations that were in place for other areas of the state that have tripped those metrics uh, where, we've got, where we've got people getting sick and going into the hospital, places like Will County and in Kankakee, all the collar counties and many of the regions downstate. We've imposed the same set of metrics and startup mitigations, and we'll be doing that for the city of Chicago as well so Pritzker won't budge Ben yeah well listen I said this at the top of the show it would look really bad if he did it would look really bad if he did and it would uh, just give more ammunition to uh, all the Republicans outside of Chicago area who uh, say that he's picking on them and if if he's sincere in his intentions uh, to protect people from the disease, then the same rules have to apply to Chicago, as to Metro East, as to Rockford. And I know they're unpopular, and it could be an uprising in Chicago. And you know what, D? He he could be the most unpopular politician in the state of Illinois. But I have respect for him because he's consistent. He's telling Chicago, you got to play by the same rules as Alton. And uh, I think he's right. Stand by your guns, JB. And you know what? Uh, if people of the state of Illinois have decided that the price of vigilance that he is asking is not worth it, and they'd rather risk their life and limb from the disease, then they'll vote him out of office. But uh, I don't know. I don't think Lori Lightfoot did the cause of protecting people from this disease a service by speaking out against J.D. Pritzker. I don't think she helped out in any way. And uh, I feel she did a disservice, actually, the more I think about it. You know what I'm saying, D? Because it just like, you know, he's the one with his neck on the line, not her. No matter what she says, she's beloved in Chicago. He's the one facing the Pritzker suck signs and trying to, he's looking for support. They're like, oh, at least I'll have support in Chicago. Where are you running to, Mayor? Oh, it's getting a little pressure in the room. You're already running out the back door. Well, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask, you know, to reconsider. But now, okay, now that uh, he said he's not going to budge, whatever you do now, don't sue. Don't try to sue him, all right? <laughs> That's where it gets a little crazy, right? Could you imagine if Lori Lightfoot shows up at City Hall with a MAGA hat on tomorrow and DB right oh, next door go, we've gone too far. I'm going to lock you up, JB. <laughs> yeah, just don't sue the man, please. But think about this. DB's gone to court, Darren Bailey. If Governor Pritzker, if, if DB wins in the, in the, let's face it, he's got a lot of eight, uh, allies in the uh, in Clay County. If he wins, JB could be thrown into jail, so he got to stay out of Clay County. What if Lori goes to court, Lori Lightfoot, gets a similar order oh but god poor jb will have to move out of that gold coast mansion and he loves the toilets in that mansion d sorry didn't mean to do a toilet joke okay no, i'm with you jb hold your ground hold your ground you took a stand don't let a little pressure from a little pressure from mayor Lori lightfoot cause you to buckle
There you go. And don't sue. Do not sue. <laughs> J.B. Prithker. All right, guys. Uh, that's it for today. We're going to be talking with former SEIU uh, Healthcare Illinois Indiana President Keith Kelleher. It's going to be available tonight by 7 o'clock at both Chicago, uh, Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, reach out to us at Benny J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. Leave us a message. Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your message like we did with Stevens today. And give us a call, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. <laughs> Love that guy in the background, Trump again. Anyway, I want to thank. Oh Monroe wait, we got one more quote from J.B. Pritzker. Face coverage. Okay, we're good. Uh, okay, I thought about the Grammys. Anyway, uh, I want to thank Monroe Anderson, outstanding job as he always does every Wednesday, and of course the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Monroe can tell you, and as Mayor Lori Lightfoot and J.B. Pritzker will tell you, it's about the only thing they agree on these days. Back home and on. They call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. I got a bounce. <laughs> Forgot that. Actually, I don't even think he said I got a bounce. See you tomorrow, everyone. Face coverage. Face coverage.